Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page. We had such a great time traveling and going to the conferences. Cindy and I went to and Scott and Alice Kay attended. And, and they were so informative. Everything was so good about it, but there's no place like home. We got to worship at other churches, uh, but there's no place like home. I'm just telling you, it's so good to be back with you. And, and I thank God for you all constantly and, and for how God has used you to bless my life, to bless our lives. Um, and what, what, it's just good to be back with family. Just good to be back with family. So, uh, and, and when I say family, that means you. Uh, because this to me is like a big living room. And, and we're all just sitting here worshiping our king together and fellowshipping together, drinking coffee, eating donuts together, uh, passing babies around uh, together. Um, quick announcement, by the way, just in case you don't know, because I'm allowed to share it right now, Kyle Caton and Bethany Caton are pregnant. Uh, yeah. How about that? So when you see Steve and Lisa walking around with big grins on their faces, you know, here's grandparents-to-be. All right, so congratulations uh, for that. Congratulations for that. I want you to take your outlines, if you would, in your, ser- in your bulletins. If you look at the sermon notes, I have a couple of quotes that I want you to uh, I- I want to hit here real quick. First of all, a quote from George Washington, which he simply says, All I am... I owe to my mother. I attribute all my success in life to the moral, intellectual, and physical education I received from her. And then the other from Abraham Lincoln. I remember my mother's prayers, and they have always followed me. They have clung to me all my life. It's not a mistake that I put these two quotes in here, because when we talk this morning, we're going to talk about this little thing about moms. There isn't a mom around who doesn't have high expectations for her children. There isn't a mom who wants their child to be mediocre. There's not a mom around who wants their child and desires their child to be a failure. They want their children to be exceptional. They have high goals for their children. My mom was no different. Listen, in the Clark House in Virginia Beach... There were three sacred times at the Clark House. Number one, the sacred time was on Saturday evening, right between 7 and 8 o'clock, but it's whenever Lawrence Welk was on. Whenever, now, for everybody who's 35 and under, they didn't laugh. They don't know who is that dude. But for everybody over, you get it. I don't know what my mom loved about it, but there sat Dave, Bruce, and Rick, Ricky, in front of the TV, watching Lawrence Welk, not allowed to talk, we just had to watch. The second sacred time in the Clark House in Virginia Beach was at 6 o'clock on Saturday evening, 6 o'clock, Channel 10, don't mess with the TV, because big time wrestling is on. It was called World Championship Wrestling, and, and, and it's real, you know, and, uh, and so... You were not permitted to speak from 6 to 7. And the reason you weren't permitted to speak is because mom and dad had to hear the announcers announcing this match and had to hear the bantering back and forth between the wrestlers. 
and they had to have the opportunity to scream at the TV. And so that's another sacred time. But the third sacred time at the Clark House in Virginia Beach was whenever Billy Graham had a crusade and it was televised. Whenever he did and it was on TV, then Dave, Bruce, and Ricky had to sit down in front of the TV with mom and dad and watch Billy Graham. And I'll never forget, this is something, I'm certainly, I certainly did not attain this, but my mom's desire for me, this is from the time I was a little child. I'll not forget her saying this to me. I don't know if she said it to the other boys or not. But she told me, Ricky, Ricky, I hate the name, Ricky, you're going to be the next Billy Graham. What I wonder is if Billy Graham's mom sat around and said, Billy, you're going to be Rick Clark one day. I don't know. I doubt that happened. But yeah, um, my mom had... High expectations. There isn't a mom around who doesn't have a high expectation for her children. Now listen to me. When you come to the scripture, this is so cool. While we were traveling, I, I, w- I was preparing for the message that I was going to be sharing. And, and I came across nine verses in the book of Proverbs in chapter 31. Nine verses where it's a mom who is scolding her son. Have you ever been scolded by your mom? Uh, this, this is what's happening. And I love it. I love that she's scolding her son. You know why? Because she has a real high expectation for her son. Want to know what the expectation is? She expects him to be the king. Actually, she knows he's going to be the king. And so she, I don't know, he must have been really misbehaving because you can hear this and you'll hear it in just a second. And it's just like, picture this mom wagging her finger at her son as she lays him out because he is not living a life that is fitting to be a king. Okay, so follow me here, Proverbs 31, verses 1 through 9, and I'm going to read it from the message. It'll be on the overheads as well. The words of King Lemuel, the strong advice his mother gave him. Moms always give and only give strong advice, by the way. Here we go, verse 2. Oh, son of mine, what can you be thinking of? Child whom I bore, the son I dedicated to God. I've heard that line before. Don't dissipate your virility on fortune-hunting women, promiscuous women who shipwreck leaders. Leaders can't afford to make fools of themselves, gulping wine and swilling beer. So, so far from less hungover, they don't know right from wrong and the people who depend on them are hurt. So, so far from what mom is is saying and wagging her finger about, this guy's chasing women because he thinks they're hot. And number two, this guy's getting plowed all the time. Okay, next verse. Use wine and beer only as sedatives to kill the pain and dull the ache. Of the terminally ill for whom life is a living death. And then this. Speak up for the people who have no voice. For the rights of all the down and outers. And verse 9. Speak out for justice. Stand up for the poor and destitute. And that's the hymn to a good wife. Okay, now. Here you go. We're going to take this little scolding. And we're going to build the message around it. I'm going to work through this quickly, but I don't want you to miss what's being said. This is important. 
Because the mom is looking, I want you to remember this, the mom is looking at her son and she's saying to her son, if you're going to be a leader, if you're going to be a king, then there are certain things that aren't fitting for you. And there are certain things that are fitting for you. So number one, here we go. And I have this under your heading in the outline. Listen to me when I'm speaking. It's not fitting for a leader to spend your money and strength chasing women. Okay? There you go. I don't care if you have all the money in the world. I don't care how much is in your bank account. I don't care what your position is. It's not fitting for you if you're going to honor God. It is not fitting for you to be known as the kind of person who is giving yourself to chase women. All right? Now, interesting enough, the NFL draft just occurred. Ohio State fared very well, five of the, in the top ten. And the number 10 draft is a guy named Eli Apple. The number 10 in the draft, he went to the Giants, the New York Giants. Okay, Eli Apple. Now, the heading for this little article says this, Eli Apple's mom, star of the NFL draft, is more than just a great Twitter presence because prior to the draft, there was an anonymous scout who who wrote about Eli Apple and said that he lacks the life skills necessary to enter into the NFL to be able to handle the responsibility of all the money and all of that that goes with the fame. An anonymous uh, writer posted this on Twitter, and then on top of that, as if this is a major offense, said that he can't cook either. Can I tell you something? Don't start bad-mouthing somebody's son. You know, dad may go, well, you know, those knuckleheads, they don't know what they're saying. Mom, on the other hand, you're messing with her boy. Okay? Well, they messed with Annie's boy. So Annie got on Twitter. First tweet. We don't respond to anonymous people and things. They're not real to us. What's real is this amazing dream our son is living right now, Go Bucks. Followed by a second tweet. By the way, Eli's dad is a retired five-star chef. We eat well. So, so stop playing with our name. Next time you say our name, put some respect on it. And she spells respect, R-E-S-P-E-C-K. Put some respect on it. But Annie saved her best bullet for after the draft. Now, this is pretty straightforward. But this is mom. Because she knows what's going to happen when her son got drafted and starts making all this money. The women are going to come calling. Here you go. Praying for all the thirsty girls sliding in new NFL rookies' direct messages with heavy booty and cleavage action picks. Only Jesus can quench your thirst. Huh? Go, Annie. You don't mess with the mom's boy. You don't do it. But the advice is right. I want you to listen to me. The advice is right. She was catching it before it started. But this mom in Proverbs 31 is saying, 
Don't spend your money and your strength chasing women. Why? Because it's not fitting for a leader. Listen to your mom. Second thing, it's not fitting for a leader to get drunk. I'm not going to say a whole lot here. I spent a little more time on this last night simply because I had time. But, but I, I want you to understand when you read this passage, the picture, it's not fitting for a leader to get drunk. Here's the picture. The picture is someone, the word usage is someone who's taking, taking a um, strong drink and just turning it up and, and bottoms up, just guzzle. He uses the word guzzle over and over and over again. It means, it means to guzzle down. It means bottoms up. It means to get plowed. It means to get beyond control of yourself. It's not fitting for a leader to do that. Now, son, you're going to be king. It's not fitting for you. You, you know you can have access to all the strong drink you want. It's just not fitting for you. Why? Because you're the leader. You're king, son. So act like one. Act like one. Because when you do, two things happen according to this mom. Number one, you lose your sense of what's right and what's wrong. Your moral right and wrong gets all out of whack because you're plastered. And when it gets all out of whack, you do and say stupid things. Been there, done that. Thank God he rescued me from it. So if you're going to be a leader, don't be given to it. It's going to mess up your right and wrong. And then the other thing it's going to do, it's going to hurt those who depend on you, the mom says. The people who are counting on you, it's going to hurt them. Here, namely, I want to say your, your spouse and your kids. I've watched alcohol ruin numerous homes, numerous homes. And I won't get into that right now just simply for time's sake. But take my word for it. Don't be given over to it. Take this mom's word for it. As she wags her finger at you and says, don't be given over to that. It's not worth it. Not worth it. Third thing. Because the third and the fourth are the two things I want to spend just a little bit of time on. It's not fitting for a leader to remain silent concerning those who can't speak for themselves. It's not fitting for... For you, son, as a leader, it's not fitting for you. When you come across people who have no voice, that you remain silent. It's important that you speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. I want to introduce you to a guy named Joe Baker. You'll see his picture on the screen here. We were able to meet uh, Joe Baker at the Q conference when we were in Denver two weekends ago. And we were able to spend some time with him and listen to the ministry that he has started called Save the Storks. Now, if you're an animal rights activist, you're going, yeah, I didn't know the storks were going extinct, but I'm behind it. That's not what this is about. You see, Joe, what he's done is he's kind of backdoored the abortion industry. Rather than standing in front of Planned Parenthood clinics and waving their fists and waving signs, instead of doing something like that, what Joe is doing is he has come up with a plan that actually, in a positive way, has great effect on people who are considering abortion and even on abortion providers. I'll talk about that in just a second. 
Whenever he comes across between $110,000 to $120,000, he purchases and refurbishes a van, much like this van that you'll see in the picture. Let's put that up. Just like that van. On the inside of the van, it is equipped as, as an obstetrician's office so that so that uh, ultrasounds can be done, so that assistance can be given to pregnant moms. He parks these right outside of the Planned Parenthoods and the abortion clinics all over the country. And every time he raises that much more money, he purchases another van, trains another team, and they go out and they do the same thing. And let me tell you something. It's pretty interesting to hear the impact that he is having of moms who are going to the, to the clinic to receive an abortion, who then, in a loving and kind way, are, are met with Joe and his staff, and they hear about the love of God. They hear about how God gives life. And many have decided to turn around and walk away and go and have their baby. Now, that's pretty cool. Now, wait, wait one second. How cool is this? It is so cool that in, he, was, he was sharing about in one location where, where they're planted, where there were, there were tons of, of patients going in and out of the clinic. The abortion doctor, the one, the one who they didn't scream at, they didn't judge, they didn't shake their fist at, they didn't hold signs against, they were just a presence out on the street. The abortion doctor came out to the van and, and went up to Joe and said to him, I appreciate what you're doing, and what I want to know is, would you be okay if we have, if we have a patient who's teetering, they just can't make a decision, can we send them out to you to talk to you? Amen. Now, isn't that something? Okay, that, what I'm telling you is this is a guy who's speaking up for those who can't speak for themselves. Do you see that? Because that's what this mom is telling her son. Listen, if you're going to be a responsible leader, don't you just go through life being quiet. Speak up for those who can't speak for themselves. Let me introduce you to Noel Yates. Noel is, is the vice president of World Help. World Help you should be familiar with because it is through World Help that we have been doing all of our work in Uganda. It's through World Help that we have been digging wells, that we have been building schools, that we have, we have been uh, building baby rescue missions. It's through World Help that we do all of that. But World Help isn't just in Uganda. World Help is worldwide. And so Noel, Vice President of World Help, we got to be with her last weekend. That's where uh, Scott and Alice Kay and Cindy and I were last weekend. And we got to hear about their work all over the world. Their work is so massive that when you hear it all, what you tend to want to do is kind of cower down and go, the needs are so great, we don't know where to start, so we just won't do anything. Because, I mean, how are you really going to make a difference? Well, how you make a difference is you make it one life at a time. That's how you make a difference. One life at a time. You do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. And so what, what Noel came across in India is this horrible family custom that they have 
where the oldest daughter in the home is signed over to human traffickers and they enter into the sex slave industry. Now, I'm going to tell you something. This is not just an India problem. It's not just a Thailand problem. It's definitely an America problem. I have shared in Bible study when I go up to New Beginnings, I know for sure of two women who were rescued in Columbus out of human trafficking that have sat under my teaching. Um, and, and I don't know where they are today. They, they're not there any longer. I don't know what their lives are like. I'm just saying it's real. I know that the biggest human trafficking day in the United States is Super Bowl Sunday. Super Bowl weekend, while you're watching the game, there's a lot of nastiness and evil that's going on that you will never hear about and that you will never see. It's just slowly being uncovered. It's crazy what happens. And Noel came across this group. And there's 30 girls. And you look in this picture, you'll see the older girls there. The older girls are the girls who have already been trapped in human trafficking that they have rescued out of human trafficking. The younger girls, the younger girls that you see, they're the smaller girls. They're the oldest daughters who stand in line to go be put into human trafficking. So they have rescued them uh, with the parents' permission as they sign off. They've rescued them. And right now there's 30 girls who live in this house called the House of Palms. Um, they, They live in the House of Palms. And as of last weekend when we were talking to Noel and Craig who was over the sponsorship thing... They are looking to expand that to, for 30 more beds so there can be 60 girls rescued. This is a global problem. And you know what you and I can do? We can sit down and be really quiet about this because honestly, seriously, this does not affect Rick Clark's life. has zero impact on my life. But these are people who can't speak for themselves. These are people who need people to speak up. And son, if you're going to be a leader, it's not fitting for you to remain silent when, uh, when people can't speak for themselves. It's important that you speak up. And I wanted you to see that. I wanted you to see their work. I wanted you to know that there are people speaking up, and you and I, we can't remain silent either. I feel like once, once you've been informed, you can't be silent. I mean, you can be. I don't, I don't think it's a wise choice. I think all of a sudden God has placed a responsibility in the hands of people who hear. We can't be silent. And so that's what the mom says here. It's not fitting for a leader to remain silent for those who can't speak for themselves. And then the last thing I have for you on this, in this message, this last advice from the mom is this. It's not fitting for a leader to overlook the needs of the poor. It's not fitting for a leader to overlook the needs of the poor. Follow me here just real quick. Hey, Andrew, I don't know where you are. Oh, you're right there? Okay, I just want to make sure you were close by. Uh, It's not fitting to overlook the needs of the poor. Listen to this. Helping the poor, there's a fine line here. My father taught me responsibility. He taught me the value of a hard day's work. He taught me the value of providing for my family and of caring for my family. He taught me that. And and that's something I have treasured and lived out my entire life. My mom, on the other hand, she taught me compassion. She taught me how to love people. She taught me that. And so the... the, uh, Uh, That side of me, we point directly to my mom, that impact that she had on my life. 
And so I'm that kind of guy who has a really soft heart for people in need. And I would give away absolutely everything I have in order to bless other people and to help other people. But there's a problem here because there's a fine line in helping people. Listen to me. When you provide food for someone to eat and clothes for them to wear without providing them with the gospel so that they can understand who Jesus is, come to terms with Jesus, and then become responsible people. If you don't do that, if you just simply cut a check and go, here, here, go, go take this, go, uh, let me go buy you some food, that kind of thing. If you just do that, then what you're going to end up doing is creating a cycle of dependency, which our government's already done a really good job at, Um, create a cycle of dependency that you will end up not breaking. And everybody suffers for it. Everybody ends up suffering for it. Both the person in need and the country who is providing for the people who are in need because they're they're not being productive, they're just taking. Now, and I'm, I'm saying, so there's a fine line because I know that God has a heart for the poor. And he says we're to care for the poor. But there's a fine line there. And lest you think I'm being too hard, listen to this. You have to catch this. The greatest giveaway ever in the Scripture, the greatest by far giveaway, is when Jesus grabbed some fish and some bread. He prayed, and man, did his prayer do some stuff. All of a sudden, these, these little bit of fish and bread fed 5,000 men and their families. I mean, could have been up to 10,000 people that ate all the bread, all the fish they wanted, and they even collected baskets full after it was over. Jesus fed those people, and we read that and we go, Man, that is so cool, Jesus. How you could do I wish I could do that. I wish my prayers would work. There wouldn't be a hungry person in the world. But does anyone want to know what happened to those 5,000 people? You see, after they ate, they did what you do when you, you get stuffed. They went to sleep. It was nighttime, and they all passed out. Oh, man, that was a great meal. I can't believe I ate that much, you know. And there they are, bloated, passed out. But morning comes, and they wake up, and the first thing they do is they go, Okay, so where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? Well, Jesus, he got up in the night, and he took off. And they couldn't find him anywhere, and so they went looking for him. And they traipsed all around the the countryside until they found him. They found Jesus that next morning. And when they found him, you know what they said to him? They said, what's for breakfast? And do you know what Jesus did? Jesus said, I ain't fixing breakfast. If you want satisfaction... You need to eat the bread of life. You need to honor God. So even Jesus looked at hungry people going, well, please, please feed us, and turned them down. Because if he didn't, he would do what many, many, myself included at times, are guilty of. He would have created a cycle of dependency. Oh, he'd have had a lot of followers but not because they wanted to give up their life to follow him. They just wanted the steak. You know? And probably some A1. And probably a baked potato with butter and sour cream. And probably, do you notice that? I mean, always wanting more and more and more. 
Well, that's a cycle we're not to create. But if you're going to be a leader, listen, it's not fitting for you, though, to overlook the needs of the poor. When you know they're there, minister to those needs, but minister to them by taking the gospel to them as well because it's God who changes lives, not the food that you're feeding them. Okay? So, with that, with that, I'm going to simply say this, and then Andrew's going to come up here. And, and, and when Andrew comes, I'm going to ask you, just give us, a, a, we're going to go over just a little bit. Be patient with us, but it's going to be well worth it, okay? Um, look at your sermon notes right at the top. This is your mom speaking. So, son, daughter, watch out. Watch out for temptation. Speak up for those who can't speak for themselves and do something. Be a person who's known to do more than just talk. We got enough talk. Be people of action. People who will honor God, and in honoring God, honor their mom who bore them. That's the message of this mom. Father, I want to thank you so much for your grace and mercy. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for young people who step forward and say, we are in. We are following Jesus. Lord, as we walk out of here, may we bring honor and glory and praise to you by the way we live. Help us to respond to what we've heard today in following you. And it's in Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. Happy Mother's Day.